Seahawks fans to the newest episode of the Seahawks Miss Podcast. I'm your very tired host, Nathan Santo, joined as always by the Mickey to my Turkish. It's Kevin Garber. Kevin, how you doing? You know, I'm prepared to uh, take care of a defense against the Germans. Yeah, so um, the, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's, it's wild times now. We're, uh, we're getting close to the draft. They're going to go all digital. Uh, you they know, are, some so they're the, going to be in the same Zoom meeting hell that you and I have been stuck in for the last four weeks. I just can't. I just can't wait till like the Giants. You know, it's like their turn, so they like unmute themselves and then they take their pick and then they they forget to remute themselves and then they're just saying a bunch of stuff. It's really stupid. Yep. That's that's what excites me the most. There are definitely going to be some Zoom related mishaps. So, all right, let's get into it today. We're just going to go straight to it. This, we're in a position right here that I think is it looks really important to the Seahawks draft. Right now, the Seahawks have only rostered three interior defensive linemen, and in an extremely deep interior defensive line draft, that has given them uh, the the ability, the, the the flexibility to come into this and say, "Hey, we're gonna we can double up on this position. We can find some guys that." that might be uh, available pretty late in the draft. So I'm kind of excited to see what the Seahawks uh, do here because it's definitely one draft pick that's going to be used here. Uh, yeah. The question is, is is more than one going to be used. Right now we got Puna Ford, Jaron Reed, and Nas Jones. And then we have some fringe guys, Demarcus Christmas, Brian Monet, hanging around. Um, Christmas got the, uh, what you call it, the red the shirt year Pete last Carroll year? Carroll red shirt year. Yeah, but he's 25 years old, and um, I'm not sure – if, if we really there and then we saw what Monet could do last year which is uh, some but not a lot yeah we're looking at a couple of guys the interesting thing as well is Puna Ford and Jaron Reed have shown the ability to produce in both one tech and three tech so um more the run stopping as well as the kind of interior penetrator role mm-hmm. which so means we kinda... that we have some flexibility in the type of person we can add because there's scheme flexibility in both of our big interior guys. Yeah. Okay. So let's get right into it. Um, there's, there's a clear like top two in this draft, but really like a kind of a clear top one uh, there. Now I think Javon Kinlaw deserves to be in the conversation with Derek Brown, but Derek Brown is clearly like the cream of the class, the uh, disruptive Auburn defensive tackle. So what's so, what's so great about him? What makes him probably a top five pick in this year's draft? Uh, what makes him a top five pick in this year's draft is that teams um, still value Derek Brown's skill set uh, very highly. I actually think Brown and Kinlaw are very similar players in what they in the overall value that they'll bring to a team. Um, Kinlaw's actually my number one interior defensive lineman. All right, so you, that that puts you apart from most people, I think, because I think most uh, evaluators have Derek Brown as like the number three defensive player off the board or, or number four right in the mix. Like the first guy coming off after the, if depending on where is it, what people think of Isaiah Simmons, right? It's goes, yeah, it's Isaiah Simmons or Derek Brown coming off the board third. So you're a little higher on Kinlaw maybe, or either, or a little down on Derek Brown. Oh, I think Derek Brown offers a skill set that is, um, he's a, he's as good as it gets against the run. He is like the, prototypical run-stopping interior defensive lineman. The thing that makes him better than that is that he has a lot of power and he can push the pocket in the pass game, and his lateral quickness allows him to 
adjust really well to the run, and he does offer some value as a pass rusher. I just feel like that Javon Kinlaw as an interior pass rusher is as good as Derek Brown is as an interior run stopper. The thing that worries me for for Brown is if you're going to pick a guy in the top five of the draft to come into your defense, uh, you don't want him to be the worst three-cone drill of all interior defensive linemen in the whole draft, and that is what Derek Brown was. He ran an 8-2-2, 7th percentile. That's pretty horrible. So I, it is worrying in terms of like how does this, his – but he's just raw power. You know, he doesn't – there's not a lot of – um finesse so i'm not sure it matters you know right he'll instantly come onto your team he'll stuff the run worst case scenario he's doing a snacks harrison impression right uh kind of which is why i hesitated to get him in the top five drafting snack harris snacks harrison in the top five like you want a different kind of player with that value of a pick but if you're getting him somewhere between 10 and 20 you're talking about a guy who, you know, for the five years that you're guaranteed with him on the roster is going to give you really, really good production. So I think Kinlaw just has more upside as a pass rusher. He has that great first step. He's really hard to get a block on. I think his strength is excellent. His pass rush toolkit is really good. He rushed from the inside and the outside, which when you're 324 pounds and you're rushing from like a four eye technique, it's kind of gross how good he was at it. Yeah, he, he they would move him around uh, and especially like stunt him around the ends a lot. And that I like Kinlaw. He's he's sloppy a little bit, I think. And I think if he cleans that up, it could be a lot better. Also seems a little light to me. You know, he's he weighed in at three oh two in the media guide last year, which makes me think that he needs to put on a, a maybe a little weight if he's gonna be um if he's gonna be like playing inside all the time. Yeah, he combined at uh I believe it was three twenty four he combined at. But then you can tell if you look at him on tape, he played under that. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. I think the media guide number from last year is a lot closer to uh, reality. There, I think they told him, <laughs> they told him what I'm saying, which is that you need to get heavier if you want to um, do it, do uh, do this. So, okay, um, that's our tier. That's like the top tier. Now, then there's a a big glut of guys that I think are kind of hard to separate, and I think any of these guys could be people that. The Seahawks not only look at at 27, but look at at any kind of trade back into the 30s, 40s, or even at the picks 59 and 64. Uh, there's a big glut. So, Kevin, out of this, out of these guys, this big tier of um, next change guys, who's your favorite of the of these guys? Uh, my favorite's Jordan Elliott out of Missouri. Um, Good choice. He's a guy when you put him on when you put on the film. So he's six four. He comes in a little over 300 pounds, which I like. He's got 32 inches arms, which is adequate. It's not. You know, uh, Pete Carroll falling in love with the tape measure good, but it's it's not short enough that you're going to worry about it. Um, I thought his lateral quickness was on display on film. Uh, putting him in one on one situations is very risky. So as like a penetrating three tech, um, if he was heads up on a guard, the guard was beat a lot. And we're talking about SEC competition. Um, if you don't have a pretty quick guard, then you're probably going to be dealing with pressure on the interior at your quarterback. If he's double teamed, he's able to split the double team and get skinny in the gap. But um that's my, that's actually one of my pro- his way through it. That's one of my problems with him actually though is that he always tries to get skinny through the gap. He never just sometimes you need your double team guy to just hold that position and like eat those two guys up. 
Agreed. And Elliot, Elliot does not do that. He always tries to fight through it or get past it. And it's like, sometimes, dude, you just need to grab both those guys by the shoulders and say, hey, these these are my two, two guys. You know what I mean? Like, I'm taking up all of this space and making this uh, miserable for these guys. So that that's kind of my... Um, yeah, and I would say that's him. pretty true for most of these guys in this glut. These are pretty pure, like, three-tech pass rushers. Um, they can make plays against the run. But, yeah, that is that's the that is the legitimate criticism of Jordan Elliott is that he oftentimes is more worried about penetration than cap responsibility. And yeah. that can lead to, um, in a defense like ours, where doing your job is so highly valued, you got to wonder how frustrating that would be for Pete. Yeah, he would he would uh, probably, uh, you know, freak out or whatever. So, all right. But my favorite, I think it, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, my favorite in this group it is um, I think like Marlon Davidson is going to get like a like a nice fresh uh, breath of life moving from defensive end to interior defensive line. And I I just think that his lateral agility is really impressive for a guy of that size. Um, he could be a kind of guy who does the Red Bryant, right? Where he um, he plays outside on uh, on some rundowns and can kick inside for some passing downs, uh, or you know, you know, just play a bunch of different roles. Uh, now, Dave, Davidson ran a pretty slow forty, and he he put on a bunch of weight for the combine, so it's it's hard to tell. And he put it on um, in a hurry. He put on probably about twenty pounds. And they, he did it from the basically the bowl game to the combine. Right. These people said that he gained 25 pounds, which is um interesting. So um, but I, I actually I like Marlon Davidson though. I think it's it's gonna be good. I think that he's like the best candidate for sex just because we get to we get to trade down into him. I would be loath to take a guy at 27. His arms are probably too short though. 33. Oh 33? No, it's like right on good. it's right on the line, right? Isn't that right on the line? Um, for a edge guy, it's on the line, but for an oh, interior okay. guy, then uh, over thirty two is fine. All right. Who's the Who's the guy that you uh, would only want to get? And because all of these guys probably are acceptable. In a, in if a, any of them show up at fifty nine or sixty four, they're uh, all fine. It's a, it's a snap keep. Yes, but who's Who's the one that you would like? You're the most nervous about. You have the most, uh, you know, trepidation. Uh, so. There's a guy who you put in here that I don't, that I would okay. say that about, but I'm okay, going to go talk it. about Neville Gallimore real quick. Okay. Go so Neville Gallimore out of Oklahoma, um, he has three down ability. Uh, he has pretty good measurables. He has some lateral quickness, but he played in a really like stunt and move heavy defense. And so what you end up seeing is um, he doesn't translate his speed into power. He's constantly trying to like shift along the line and find a gap. And what you want to see in the way that the Seahawks play is, you know, can you get that first step quickness? Can you lock your arms out? Can you turn that into power and, you know, put that guard on sleds and push him back into the quarterback? And that's just not a thing that Neville Gallimore was asked to do at Oklahoma. And so projecting him into really a lot of NFL um, defensive schemes, but especially the Seahawks scheme, is a little tricky. Like, I think he'll be good, but I'm just not sure exactly what his play looks like on our team. 
So he's okay. the least safe of the guys I have in that group. All right, here's the thing, something for me, okay, is that I want the guy we pick to come in and have an immediate impact because our window is open now. We can win the Super Bowl next year. This team has enough talent, especially if, like I've said a million times, I'm assuming we pick up an edge guy, someone. There's some veteran free agent edge guy that we're going to end up with. So because of that, I want a guy who can come in and make an immediate impact, and I don't think that that's Ross Blacklock. Um, Ross Blacklock has really good agility. He is like an, an athletic marvel. Um, he, for a smaller guy, you know, two, he's only 290, but he does seem like he's going to be able to hold up because he looks really good on the tape. And he but looks like, like he can add some good bulk too. But he just doesn't have um, any pass rushing moves. Like he just does like the same two moves over and over. Um, he either swims the guy or he bull rushes the guy and that's it. And I just like know that guys with no plan like that, that's the LJ Collier formula for <laughs> spending the whole year doing nothing and then maybe blossoming the second year, which is what yeah, I'm expecting Rasheem from Green. LJ. The Rasheem Green plan. He's on that trajectory where he's going to get drafted and he's going to be good eventually. Ross Blacklock's athletic profile would... I'd be surprised if he was a total dud, if if he never was good. But if if he if, if he was really impactful this rookie year, that would also surprise me. Just doesn't seem like he's uh like he's ready to do that. Yeah, and I'll uh, double player. down on your take on that. Um, I think something that you notice is he has he struggles with his hands. Like he struggles to shed blocks sometimes. He struggles like his hand placement gets really high on the lineman so i think that goes along with like his lack of moves and his lack of a pass rush plan uh he's trying to like out athletic everybody and he has power he just doesn't really use it all the time or use it right all right so who are the guys in this tier that we haven't talked about yet uh so let's see we talked about elliot blacklock Davidson, Gallimore, so Metabike. So Justin Metabike out of Texas A&M. Um, this is your pure, like, speed three tech. Um, mm-hmm. He's 6'3", he's a little under 300 pounds, he's a little over 33 inches on the arm, so he has the desirable length. This dude ran a 4.8340 and a 7.373 cone, which, for the record, a 7.373 cone is, like... 88th percentile. I have yeah, it right here. it's fringy for a defensive end. 97th percentile for 40-yard dash for interior defensive linemen. Yeah, it's pretty nuts. That 40 is really crazy. He's a he's a prototypical, like, modern pass rushing DT, and the tape shows that he can play on rundowns. You do not have to take him off the field for that. Uh, 17 run stops last year. The, the biggest problems I have worry-wise is that he was exactly the same in 2018 and 2019. Yep. It's something you'll hear me say about other players, too. Uh the, you want to see guys progress, right, and get keep getting better. And uh, he has a lot of penalties. <laughs> Twelve penalties the past two seasons is uh, is a lot. I don't know what yeah. that's from it from playing from the interior defensive line. That's a lot more penalties than I would expect from from a, a player. So the other thing that worries me is uh, he does sometimes look small on the inside. Mm-hmm. Um, two, I think two, part two. of the problem was he was asked to play in kind of a one tech role at texas a&m and don't do that that's that's a bad idea yeah he played almost all his snaps in the b gap so the uh yeah i think that he's he's right in the middle of this tier and i think that's really fair for us i i like him 
I would be per- perfectly happy with him at 59. I'd be happy with him trading back into the 40s, too. He's a really good football player. Yeah. Okay. And he could offer immediate pass rush upside. And let's go ahead and talk about Raekwon Davis right here. Okay. Raekwon so, Davis is on the fringe of this tier. I think he's probably my last guy in this tier, and maybe he's in the next tier for you. What? So, yeah, he's definitely in the next tier for me. Let me say something nice about him. How about go that? And then you can go. So the thing I like about Raekwon Davis, he's a plug-and-play run stuffer right away. He's had three straight seasons with over 20 run stops. He's had two, uh, three straight seasons with elite uh, pass uh, run stopping run stopping grades in um, on pro football, pro football focus. I can make sentences, man, even late at night. We can do this. <laughs> and so uh, I, I, believe in you. I, I like Davis from like, a, hey, this guy's going to come in and you know he can do a thing. The problem is he is not ready to rush the passer at all. So that's a problem. But I uh, I still think that, that he deserves to be in the same tier as like Blacklock. I think that that's completely fair. So that's my opinion on, on that. Those guys yeah. are really close together for me. And I have him pushed down the board a little bit just because I'm not convinced Raekwon Davis can ever rush the passer. Um, okay. Just based on his skill set that he has. Uh, he's a little bit uh, stiff. Um, he has a tendency like he's got really long arms. He's really tall. And so when he's rushing the passer, he has this really bad tendency to uh, like stand straight up. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's hard when you're six foot six to not be really tall. And so he just doesn't play with very good leverage. A lot of the time um, he can get away with that because he's six, six and has 34 inch arms. And so he can occupy two defenders. He can, like, he can occupy a gap. He just kind of gets stuck on blocks. And there's a lot of things I would like to see him be able to do where it looks like he should be able to do it. He was frustrating to watch on tape for me just because every time I'd watch him, I'm like, man, I know you can do more than this. But I just I'm not seeing it like the things that he flashed his freshman year. He still just flashed. It's like you said, he's one of those guys who just didn't grow. Yep. Stats for the last three years are almost exactly the same. So then in that tier with him, who are some uh, other players you got in in the tier, the next tier down the, you know, the late third, the early fourth round guys, the Seahawks could be looking at to pick here. So it's just two other players for me. One of them's Devon Hamilton out of Ohio State, and he's much more of a zero tech one tech. Um, he's a guy who's plug and play run stopper. Like he can, he's a load with single team. If you put single team on him, just put a guard straight up on him, or you know, forbid yourself a center. He's going to just like he's going to pile drive that guy right back into the quarterback's lap. So he has pretty effective bull rush move as an interior pass rusher, but he's mostly just a pocket pusher. Um, The big thing is that he occupies multiple offensive linemen. Uh, You have to put two legitimately powerful offensive linemen if you want to move them backwards. Otherwise, he's going to occupy a couple of dudes and free up everyone else to do their job. Like, he's just really... um, He's what you look for in a one-tech. And uh, who's your other guy? The other guy is James Lynch out of Baylor, who played defensive end in a three-three-five scheme and a kind of three-four-ish scheme at Baylor. He's going to end up probably kicking inside, and he's going to be playing that hybrid 
uh, three tech base D end position. I had um, a different Baylor defensive lineman in this tier. That's oh, funny. you have a uh, you have Bravion, uh, Bravion Roy. Roy. Interesting. And, uh, so Bravion, that's interesting. Is I and I didn't really think about Lynch as a conversion, so I don't actually have him in my list at all for this. But Bravion Roy, when you watch his tape, he is just um, he like beats beats people up and it's like really fun to to watch a guy that's 330 pounds get off like that he's inconsistent and you wish that it, there was more consistent but his senior year stats he made a big jump he went from never having more than 20 uh hits hurries and sacks in a season to having uh 51 his senior his uh last year and 29 to go with the 29 run stops um, you know, you don't get very many opportunities to get run stops in the Big Twelve. So, so. <coughs> sorry. <laughs> yeah, they got those so. spread offenses, five wide receivers, and he's sitting there like, "No, I got this run stop, bro." Yeah, I mean, he's just going to be a nose tackle at the next level, but I could totally see him coming in and making an immediate impact as a nose. The thirty and one eighth inch arms will probably drive the Seahawks away. I was about to say he's, he's probably... got the he's got the T Rexiest of T Rex arms. Yeah, you could probably just delete him from the um from thing, but. I, this is it has one of my favorite notes in the scouting report. It says mixes in a filthy fat boy spin move, and <laughs> that's true. It's one hundred percent true. It is a filthy fat boy spin move. I love it. So that's he's in that tier for me. I, I really enjoyed watching his tape. I think it might have made me overrate him by like one tier, but I don't care. <laughs> it's such he's a, like guys who are fun tape watches. I'll push him up a little bit because uh, I want them to end up on Seahawks guys with unique talents like that. And he does have a unique ability to move for a 330 pound person. So I have my, I'm talking my late three, early four. Uh, Roy is in my rounds four slash five. I have this huge glut of people who I'm like, okay, anywhere in rounds four or five, I'll take them. And Roy's part of that group. Uh, Roy does something really weird that I think is really cool. Um, Because he's really short and incredibly thick. Um, he's like he's built like a like an oven. Mm-hmm. And what he does is. So if you're an edge player, like let's say you're an edge player with really, really long arms, what you're trying to do is you're trying to get the, the offensive tackle moving in one direction. And then you make contact and you're basically playing against half of the offensive lineman. So you're like taking on his right half or his left half of it at a time. That's not the way the interior works. The interior, they're usually taking on the whole guy. They're going like heads up. Uh, Bravion Roy would take on half of two offensive linemen by taking the gap. And so what you'd see him do is he would kind of be shaded to like the left side or the right side of the guard. And then he would just put all of his weight up under the chest pad of the guard. And it was way too much to deal with. So even though he had these short arms, he would just kind of put his shoulder and his whole body into it and knock the offensive lineman slightly off balance and then do like a rip or a swim. And next thing you know, he just made like a yard and a half of backfield penetration from your nose tackle. It was mm-hmm. it was a really weird technique thing that he did that you don't see. I mean, it's just a lot of pressures from an interior guy too. Like, yeah. Uh, in in it's just a, I don't know. I think he has exciting upside. 
Um, all right, how about for so James uh, Lynch? Though uh, he's a guy who I think he just has a really good motor. He has a lot of pass rushing tool sets. Like he has he has rip, swim, spins. Um, he isn't super long, but he does have kind of that long arm jab move. He's not bendy, but he has really good lateral quickness. He has a great first step. Um, the zone read gave him fits on the edge, but if you move him inside the three tech, that takes care of that. I just think you probably have to add a little bit more functional strength to be able to play on the inside, but I think he has the body type where he can do it. Okay, who's in, uh, who else is in your next, uh, tier with Bravion Roy? Okay. So this is a big tier. Get ready for a whole list of names. Really? I only have like five guys in here. So I think that this is interesting. All right. Who can give me, give me, hit me with it. All right. I've got Lucky Foto out of Utah. Okay. McTelvin uh, Ajim out of Arkansas, mm-hmm. Robert two. Windsor out of Penn State, okay. Laurel Murchison out of NC State, three, Jason Stro- uh, Strobridge out of North Carolina, Rashard Lawrence out of LSU, John Penasini out of Utah, Brevion Roy out of Baylor, and Tyler Clark out of Georgia. I think the big difference is I actually split the – I have all the names in the next two tiers. I split them, though. There are some guys I don't like because they're just really one-dimensional to me. Uh, same, but Roy is in kind of that one-dimensional because I have three dudes here that I think are primarily run stoppers in the NFL, um, which is Penasini, Roy, and Clark, and then I don't know. I can't. Lawrence I can't watch. Lawrence I can't watch a guy be. just get. I can't watch a guy get fifty-one pressures and look like a wreck, wrecking ball on tape like that and think that he can't do some pass rushing in the NFL. I just I have to see it because he won in a way that just I don't see into like it'd be like John Randall before John Randall did it you couldn't assume that John Randall was going to do it but then John Randall did it and so then he was John Um, Randall and (laughs) I think McTelvin McTelvin again is like um he could be really really good uh his lateral quickness is nuts and he did so good in the in the senior bowl and all that stuff. And so he, one thing I like about him is he does all the pass rush moves, swim, chop, cross, like all that stuff. Um, he just does all that stuff. I think that that's really exciting. He plays good enough in, in run game too, that he doesn't have to, you know, be an exclusive guy. He could play all three downs if you really needed him to. Yeah. I like, I like him quite a bit. Um, Strobridge reminds me of DeMarcus Christmas from last year, where it's just like, I watch the tape and I think this guy's a run stuffer and he, uh, yeah, that's it. That's who he is. You know what I like a lot more than that, though? What? Is he doesn't end up on his face all the time. Sure. He's so he's better. like if DeMarcus Christmas could balance at all. All right. So that's Let me good. say this. Lucky Fotu, I think there's a lot of potential there. But when I watch the tape, like he just doesn't do, he does nothing for so many plays. I'll just then... let me just read this. And I think that you'll get it. I'll just read my scouting report real quick. Go ahead. Often plays with poor leverage. Good first step when allowed to single gap penetrate. Hands as a pass rusher need work. Bull rush is solid, but rarely gets to use it. Asked to sit in gaps a lot. For sure could zero tech. Could develop as a pass rusher, but technique is raw and he sheds poorly. Yeah, he only does a bull rush or he does that like push-pull thing. You know yep. what I'm talking about? He yeah, does, grabs some he... cloth and tries to get him going to one side. Yeah, that's all he does. He never does. Um, He could be a dominant nose tackle, but you're projecting. Like there's yep. no there's no evidence from watching him play that he'll ever be a do- dominant tackle, uh, except for you see like little glimpses of it every once in a while. And that's like you get excited by those glimpses, right? But if you like look at the overall body of work, it's like it's not happening enough for me to be like it's 
it, I just don't know if he'll ever put totally put it together. And so if we um, picked him up, like he flashes round two, but he's consistently round five. So I'll take him in round four. I I think that you know that's a, that's a reach for me. I would want him like if we got that. him like one forty four overall. Okay, I'd rather have the other Utah offensive lineman. To be honest with you, even Pennacini? though he, even though it's because like kind he's of a run stopping beast. It's it's kind of the same thing except for I know the thing he can do. He can come in and uh, just be a big run stopping dude. Yep, he's he's not as. Think of him as his Fotu's more girthy than, than Penasini. So, like, you'd think, oh, well, then Fotu's the run stuffer. And it's like, eh, not really. Not as much. Um, yeah, yeah. Penasini's 6'1", 318, though. So, like, Fotu weighs 12 more pounds, but he's four inches taller. Utah has, like, a thick rotation, so all their counting stats look unimpressive in a vacuum, too. Like, they, they yeah. all played. None of them played as many snaps as, you know, some of these guys play, like, 700 snaps. 650 snaps those guys played like closer to 500 because they just the way that the team works so it's uh, just a it's just different it's hard did you to... want to talk about murchison because i know you like him and then i was going to talk about robert windsor because i feel no, like you go, he's lost you go you go first on windsor okay so robert windsor out of penn state i feel like he's kind of lost in the shuffle he's not really getting as much press as a lot of these other guys but when i watch him on tape i think there's a lot to like He's 6'4", he's a hair under 300 pounds, 33-inch arms. His athletic testing numbers, um, his explosive numbers weren't great, but his uh, lateral mobility numbers were really good. And it it shows a lot in, um, in the tape. He played really well as a pass-rushing three-tech. He's super active. He has a really quick first step. Uh, he relies a lot on a bull rush move, but he does have a spin and a swim move. So it tells me that he's a guy who at least understands that you need to pass rush with technique and he's developing technique as a pass rusher. Um, He's not super great at disengaging in the run game, but he's, he can be a three down defensive lineman. He's not a liability at three tech. It's more just that he couldn't really hold down against double teams at one tech. Okay. Thing on Murchison is, is that North Carolina state needed him to kind of be, every position last year yep so he played you know he played in the a gap played in the b gap played over the tackle played outside the tackle he's played all over the offensive line and he's solid no matter where they put him he was always at least decent and so i was like i'm interested you know i'm i'm that piques my interest i think like okay he's he looks good he's never great it's never like the best thing i've ever seen but it's always solid it's always looking good and then he goes to the combine Throws up 29 benches for 72nd percentile. He throws up a 9 foot 10 broad jump, 97th percentile broad jump, which shows me he's maybe more explosive than I initially thought. And that got me, um, that got me thinking maybe this is a guy that we can really look at as a interior pass rusher and a guy who's more explosive than maybe he got a chance to show because he was playing outside a lot more than maybe he should have. Yeah, he reminds me a lot of Marlon Davidson in that way, where he was kind of being played out of position. Like him and Davidson, sometimes they would ask them to drop into coverage. And if if you just see them as human beings that exist on Earth, you're like, why would you drop that person into coverage? Why would you even do that? You know, he's 300 he's pound guy and just out there running. In a, but yeah, I think he's, he should be able to. The thing I like about Murchison too is that he's being really underrated on draft boards right now. A lot of times when I do like a mock draft on any of the websites, I can get him in like the sixth round. 
I think that is insane value. Um, yeah, a lot of experts are projecting him as low as like fifth, sixth round. And, and I, I see him a as a ton of value. I see him as like a fifth round guy. And so for me, like getting him in the sixth or seventh would be a W. It's someone who could come in and instantly have an impact uh, for the Seattle Seahawks. Yeah, at the very least, he's a rotational, like run stopping uh, three tech and base end. Like at the very, very least, if he can't do anything else, he can come in and provide valuable run uh, run snaps with some ability to push the pocket. All right, we're at that point, dude. This is where I say like anybody else you feel like you need to mention as uh, potential guys or anyone you want to say like get on a corner and say like, I don't want that guy. <laughs> uh, okay, so I'm going to leave the guy that I think you're going to say you don't want and the guy that I think you're going to say you do want. Oh, okay. All so right, I've go. got a guess as to who those two guys are for you. All right. Good. Good luck. I wish you the best of luck. Uh. Well, I'm assuming that you don't want Richard Lawrence out of LSU. No, I, no, I don't want the Davis twins. Oh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> then uh, I'll talk they, about Richard Lawrence. So okay. Richard Lawrence is out uh, of LSU is a guy who's getting talked about like around the same draft position as, um, like Murchison or even up with like Lucky Foto. Um, people have him all the way up into like the third round in some places, and I don't get it. He's basically a pure three technique who flashes a bull rush, but he doesn't have good leverage. He doesn't disengage from blocks very well. He he gets his hands up in the passing game, so he's good at jumping and trying to bat passes, I guess. But he's just he's too big to play the edge and not athletic enough, but he's not powerful enough to play inside. He's a tweener in like the worst way. Um, on the flip side, a guy that I like would be Tyler Clark out of Georgia, who has really good length, really good size on the inside. And I think he's another one that can just come in and he'll be like a seventh round pick, sixth, seventh round pick. And he just comes in and immediately is a really good run stuffer. Like he offers a lot of power. He's capable of... Um, pushing back interior linemen. Um, he uses his length very well to keep leverage. And like you just can't move him backwards. So he immediately comes in. He could be a zero-tech, one-tech, run-stopping defensive tackle that you get really late. And that's immediate value. Yeah, so um, let's just talk about what I don't like. I don't like the Nebraska defensive line from last year at all, just in general. Darian um, Daniels, Carlos Davis, and Khalil Davis. Yeah, I just don't think any of those guys, uh, when I watch them play, it's just not good. There, there's clearly just, I don't know, it's just not, uh, I was excited when I went to the tape study, you know, because I'm like, oh, these guys are twins. We could get another set of twins. That'd be so cool. I'm now into twins. Dude, and not that, to mention they ran 4.82 and 4.75 in the 40. They put up 32 reps and 27 reps in bench press. You didn't see any of that on film. Yeah, their tape is just like like they ran so fast too. Their straight line speed is not very good at D tackle though. <laughs> yeah, and their uh their ten yard split though was ninety six percentile for Carlos Davis. So like, I look at that and I think, well, where's that on the tape? Because he had in in five hundred sixty six snaps, he had twelve run stops and seventeen or seventeen hits, hurries, and sacks. That's uh that's a lot of playing to not do uh a whole lot of really anything, and it it's just like. He has the he has the the athletic the athleticism he has the juice but like I think it's just gonna get him he's I think he's gonna they're gonna be UDFAs but 
that's just my opinion. They, they could get drafted. They ran fast. They uh, they look good in terms of just uh, they look good in shorts. They're the Josh Allen of defensive tackles. <laughs> um, a guy I like that has um, similar like high level athletic traits for an interior defender um, is Jason Strobridge. I like him as a late round pick. He's light. He's two hundred and seventy five pounds, which is really light for an interior defender. They had him line up all over the line. It's kind of a theme of guys that I like. I think he'll probably end up in a 3-4 team, but if the Seahawks draft, drafted him, they're getting a guy who instantly can come in and play on rundowns and get run stops. Two consecutive seasons with over 20 run stops. Uh, really just um, looks good, but he'll need time to develop. Either he'll need to gain weight so he can play more consistently on the inside, or he'll need to develop his pass rush set so that he can play, uh, get to the passer on the outside, one or the other. I'm I will sure. say he has some Quentin Jefferson in him. Yeah, and I, I just I think he's, he's better than he's getting credit for. Not not great, but solid rotational player. That's someone that I'm interested in, especially that late in the draft. He, uh, oh, but he only does one pass rush move. Like, not joking. That's a, that's dead serious. He has the one move. Yep. It's not even like one move he uses differently. It's just the one. And it's not really even a move. It's it's just it's like pass a sw- rushing. It's, it's like a swim move. It's like he does this, this swim move thing over and over. It sometimes works but i mean like that's the thing is you're in a 48940 26 bench presses 31 inch vert 113 inches in the broad 7.45 seconds in the three cone um he just yeah, like, he had respectable numbers for a edge player yeah his, and if, he's if probably just, a three tech if you lump together edge and d line he was in the top half for all drills um so yeah he's he's i don't know there's potential here especially for a guy you're gonna get in round six or round seven probably that's uh that's it that's all i got i don't have anyone else uh best name is either mctel Vanegam or benito jones i can't decide ross blacklock's pretty good too malcolm roach uh malcolm roach uh not bad not bad what's the uh robert windsor sounds like the king of uh, england yeah this is what happens when i do this late at night i just start thinking of uh, stupid things to say all right Patreon. Uh, if they you want to support the Seahawks podcast, there are many ways to do so. Patreon.com slash Seahawks Nest. Little as a dollar twenty four a month. Get into the get into the Discord. Uh come in, uh hang out with everyone. Um I'm gonna try to set up the Patreon thing this week where it automatically puts you in the Discord. Right now I just send everyone a link, which is uh not the right probably not the right way to do it. And also pin the link to the Patreon page. But uh thanks to the people who've been supporting us. Uh Timothy James, Lucas, Carrie, Tom, Brandon, Nick, Frank. Bob, Richard, Karen, Mike, Brett, Flocktimus, Keith, Michelle, Brian, and everyone else. Uh, two new Patreons so far this month. We got Augustine and Ben. Thanks for joining up. Thanks for supporting. Get in the Discord. Come say hi. Tell us your favorite kind of apple, as long as you don't say Red Delicious. All uh, you can. Any other answer, answer is defensible. Um, and <laughs> this week I caught some stuff. That everyone's like. So on, I put on Twitter poll, people who aren't in the Discord don't know, I was arguing that no reasonable person would think that... Uh, the, that Jimmy Graham's Jimmy the best ba- tight end of the last two decades. So, so I ran a poll. I said, who's better, Jimmy Graham or Tony Gonzalez? Tony Gonzalez, it was 85 votes. Tony Gonzalez got 82 of them, I think, if my math's right. Let me see. 82 divided by 85 is 90. No, he got 80... 80 of the votes i think even worse so what i have to say to that is that if you're one of these people that voted for jimmy graham 
please. No, it's worse. It's like 78. Jimmy Graham got like seven or eight votes. Seven votes. He got seven votes. That's that's horrible. seven more than you should have gotten. Seven out of 85 is too many. It should have been zero. I had to win the bet. I had to. He had to get zero. Uh, I know that one of those votes is just someone trolling me from the discord, but every other all the other six are unacceptable. I want to find these people and tell them just go watch Tony Gonzalez play and he the last three seasons of his career he he was like 36 35 36 37 years old he had over 800 yards and like nine touchdowns for three consecutive years his worst three-year stretch is is incredible for a tight end uh not even considering like his best three-year stretch Tony Gonzalez was the goat the only guy I could see you making an argument for is Gronk because Gronk was not only such a good pass catcher, but also a great blocker. But the longevity of Gonzalez kind of sets him apart for me, puts him just a slight edge over uh, the Gronk, who I think is also really great. So there you go. That's that's that backstory. If you wanted that one. All right. Uh, also, Red Delicious Apples suck. Red Delicious Apples suck, yeah. Um, okay. All right, do a move uh, streaming recommendations. Yeah, I watched the first episode of Devs, and man, this show is wild. Um, I want people to come into the Discord and talk to me about it. So uh, I'm gonna probably finish it in the next like five days. Like I'm not joking. The first episode was like int- very intriguing. My wife really liked it. I watched it with her. So how many episodes are there? Ten, I think. Ten. Okay, I'll probably be binging that over the next two weeks. Yeah, I'll, I'll probably be done with it by the time we record on Tuesday. I'm not even joking. Like, Amanda, when she gets into something, like, we'll just watch, like, two a day. Nice. Um, so, yeah. All right, so then mine uh, also involves a streaming service that I don't think everybody uses right now. So, um, Vudu is a great place to get your uh, movies online, but they also have uh, free movies for viewing with uh, limited advertisements. And a movie that's currently on there is Sing Street from 2016 and it's about a kid growing up in dublin in the 80s who um basically turns to a little bit of uh, punk rock alt rock in order to um escape family drama and the things going on in his life and it's an uplifting movie um which i think is good right now because we're we're living in a one of the darker timelines yeah it's been in tough times, I feel like um, people think I'm excited to do distance learning or something. I am uh, not it's trained not for that. I would I'm much rather tra- just teach in my classroom. I'm not, not trained for this, not prepared at all. Also, uh, not doing paternity leave anymore because, like, you know, I don't. How am I going to find a sub for distance learning? It sounds impossible. Yep. So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna tough it out. It's gonna be terrible. I'm gonna be up at like really weird hours, and um, I might. This podcast might get weird. More weird yeah, for those normal. of you wondering why, um, so it is currently eleven twenty, uh, based yeah. on uh, based on understanding how Nathan gets kicked in the face every morning. I would bet he's been up since five forty five, something like that. Yeah, just um, moment. you know, uh, I've been up since about six thirty this morning. Uh, we both sat through many a meeting and talking to students and everything else. So today, so some yeah. of these are going to be a little loopy. And he's going to get punchy today. I felt like I was like, I'm just going to slam this out. I don't hope I didn't miss anyone too obvious. Um, I think we got it. We hit everyone. Basically. I think we did good. We, I, I've got the, I've got the big spreadsheet. So um, if did we there's talk about anyone ne- you're super excited about, hit us up on the discord. Did or we talk about Twitter? Neville Gallimore? Uh, we did. Okay, good. All right. He's pretty good. <laughs> yep. And by that, I mean, he's really good. All right. Anyway, for Kevin Garber, for, uh, producer Brett and uh, Eric Ronamick. We'll see you next week. Go Hawks.